Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is a game one review and a game two preview of the Calgary and Winnipeg uh, play in series. Uh, it did not go to plan, and I will admit to listening to the intro with Mark Shifley giving the intro uh, to the, the podcast, and that made me a little bit sad. Um, I didn't actually get to see the game, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, Kishore and Chris uh, do a, what I think was a really good job of actually trying to find some positives, uh, find the realistic parts, and be honest about some of the negative things kind of going forward in the series. So uh, we got the two of them doing a round table, or a square table, I suppose, because there's just the two of them maybe a rectangular table. Anyhow, uh, they did, uh, like I said, a really good job. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's about 25 minutes long. Uh, myself, I was in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere, uh, holding my phone up on a rock, uh, trying to get some 4G, not 5G, not coronavirus type, um, and managed to uh, just see the score. So I didn't even know anything about what happened with Shifley and Line until I got home Sunday night. So I missed it. Uh, anyhow, it's game day today. So hopefully uh, things go much better for the Jets. But um, yeah, I don't know if it could have uh, could have gone any worse. Maybe this team is not the 4-0 team that uh, we saw in March that outscored their opponents 15-5. to Maybe they're the 6-7 uh, and team that we saw in October. And certainly without uh, Shifley and Line 8, that's probably a little more likely. This might be a, a pretty short series. But, you know, in the words of Lloyd Christmas, you're telling me there's a chance. So there's always a chance. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I mean... Hopefully, I'm going to go on the record right now and say we're getting Lafreniere. So let's just, you know, we're getting Lafreniere. So there's no big deal, right? That's going to happen. You heard it here first. It's sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. There you go. Um, want to mention, just to go back for sure and listen to our last couple episodes, a couple great interviews there done by a few other people. I did one myself. I'm not going to talk about them all, but I just confirmed for this week that uh, Eric Howardchuck, the last name will probably sound familiar, is going to come on and talk about his uh, dad and the, the Howard Chuck Strong uh, movement. So that's uh, really cool. So that'll probably be later this week. We'll probably do an, in, or, uh, an episode after game three, regardless of if the Jets are still in or out, because either we're tying up the series or we're, you know, we're re- reviewing the last two games. So we'll probably try and attach that interview to that as well. So something to look forward to just to hear uh, about uh, Dale Howarchuk and how he's doing and whatnot, see if we can find some positives there. Certainly the movement to support him has been very positive. So um, anyhow, let's get to the episode. Uh, Chris and Kishore chatting about game one. And uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it for what it's worth because there wasn't, it sounds like not much to enjoy about that game, but uh, hopefully the team can bounce back. Anyhow, here it goes. Long intro to a short episode. Just my style. Here you go. All right, welcome to Jet Centric Podcast. This is a qualifier round recap episode after game one between Winnipeg and Calgary. Uh, I'm Kishore and I got Mac here with me. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a part one of only three, I think. Um, first of all, that's just a mouthful being like Stanley Cup qualifying round recap. But uh, wow, I, I think we just got to get into it. Um, that was the most disastrous playoff game I have ever seen in my life. And that's saying something because we're Winnipeg Jets fans. That, even if you take out 
even if you take out the Shifley injury, uh, what, three minutes into the game, it was about as bad of a game as you could hope for. And then to add to that, you know, your best player going down. Ah, man, that was, it was terrible. Yeah, before we get into the Shifley injury, we should just say where things stand. We're recording this Sunday afternoon. I, we don't expect to see Shifley till next season at this point, but we're not going to get any clarification on his injury. Line A and Appleton both didn't practice today, and there's some concern that Liney's wrist is broken. Uh, we don't know what the deal with Appleton is. He left the ice with about 18 seconds to go, uh, but took like a pretty awkward hit uh, where his head got slammed in the boards pretty mu- earlier in the game. So we have no idea what's going on there. Uh, and the game is in about 24 hours. So we have no idea if we're down three forwards, two forwards, or just one. Uh, so that's the state of things. Uh, let's get into the Shifley hit before we talk about their their, their uh, state of play. Um, I, my, my son, oddly, is a Calgary Flames fan. And so we had built up this like huge hype and, and rivalry in the house going to the game. And like, you know, five minutes in, I just went, oh, no. And I just uh-huh. looked at Shifley writhing on the ground, and I was like, oh, this is over. Um, everything is over. Uh, what was your first reaction when you saw the hit? Well, uh, my first reaction was uh, Dale Howardchuck and Jamie McCallum. Uh, yep. Cal- Calgary Flames, same blue line, same direction. Uh, <laughs> your best player laying on the ice, knowing that it, it's over, like you said. I, I was on on twitter today and there was a little bit of feedback that it shouldn't make that much of a difference and um you know they weren't going to be that good anyway which is all fine um but you lose your best player obviously we we don't say that without thinking about hellebuck you lose your best player in a in a best of five series i mean kiss it goodbye um what about the hit it hit itself because uh my first reaction is like, uh, my actual first reaction was like, please don't let it be Kachuk. Please don't let it be Kachuk. Because, you know, it, it kind of was off camera when I first saw it. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, it cut to him writhing on the ground. And then, of course, Kachuk was involved. And, you know, I'll just say off the top, I don't think it was a dirty hit. But it sure as hell was a reckless hit. Like, anytime you see a player skate go into somebody's leg, uh, you know something wrong has happened. Uh, and so it, it, to me, it just symbolized like the kind of reckless way that Kachuk plays the game, that he takes the extra step uh, to kind of send a message to somebody. Uh, and he took the extra step there and the step went wrong and he clearly hit, you know, Shifley's leg or ankle. You know, we'll find out later when the results are revealed. But uh, it was just reckless. I I completely agree with you i don't think it's malicious or there's malicious intent but i think when you have a player that plays past the line constantly um everything they do is with intent everything they do is extra um you see it with the flamboyance on offense that he does with the between the legs and all that kind of stuff it's great but professional athletes especially they have complete control over their bodies and even in situations like that where he's not going to get him, he's still trying to get a piece. He's still trying to disrupt him. He's still trying to do something to affect the play. And again, I don't think he's trying to cut the guy. I don't think he's even probably trying to kick his legs out from under him. I don't think that that's the case. 
But to think that he didn't go, I got to get a piece of this guy on the way into the boards, that's crazy. Not a guy, a, a player, almost any player is going to do make a move like that, but especially a Kachuk. Is, um, there's no way. It's innocent. Let's, let's just put it that way. Um, I'm not going to sit here and blame him. Uh, I know a lot of Jets fans are. Um, I know some people are saying it's nothing, and, and that's fine too. But I just don't think, you know, a lot of times athletes are performers. You know, you embellish a hit, you embellish uh, a foul in basketball because you need to get the foul. And the same goes for those sorts of things. That's a that's part of being extra, like you were saying. I think that's a key word is being extra. Everything he does is is extra. And, and I think that's a perfect example of it. Yeah, I, I don't think he should get suspended. I don't think it's malicious. I don't think there's any way a player can aim their skate at another person's leg going full speed like that. None of that. But it's a like he has zero benefit of the doubt, and he always takes it like that extra little bit. And this is the consequence of that of that style of play in the league. That's right. Um, that you're going to have a more likelihood of this kind of thing, whether it's Shifley, whether it's somebody else. There's going to just be more injuries. And and Kachuk's not the only person that plays like this in the league. There are a bunch of other people that do it, too. Um, wh- uh, what do you think about the response from the team? Like, first of all, wheels going out there uh, and dropping the gloves. Um, I don't I, – that's not my thing. I think it's, it was ridiculous, especially from Wheeler. Um, for a couple of reasons, you need to score. You don't need to be off the ice for five minutes while you've <laughs> – just lost your best player you need to be on the ice not off of it and it doesn't prevent anything it's not going to prevent Kachuk from playing the way he plays it's not going to prevent Shifley from missing the rest of the season um and worst case scenario you break your hand on his helmet um I just don't get the point of it but that's a that's more of a a hockey culture debate and on top of it it obviously did nothing to the team I mean they played two of their shittiest periods of the season, in my opinion, after that. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Like, I don't mind what what Wheeler was trying to do in that moment, being like, we got to respond. I'm the captain. I got to go out there and do something. But never have I missed Bufflin more than in those next few shifts after that. Because you could see, like, they they actually played well for another probably like five minutes after that. Sure. And then everything fell apart. And I've never missed Buffalo more than in those moments because you could see they just collapsed as a team. And there was no one there to go out there and bring some like energy or do something on the ice to change the nature of that switch being flipped. And they were just getting hammered in uh, behind the play by the Calgary forecheck, like Morrissey, Appleton, they're all getting just crushed on the boards. And you could see that just take the life out of the team. And they didn't have any legs like going into the second period. And I wonder how much of that too. And I mean, Bufflin, not necessarily even for the size or for the toughness, but for the way he played as far as being able to change a game with one of those end to ends or the, the circling in the offensive zone, that, that style, I, I definitely agree with you a hundred percent. And to be honest, that's what a lot of what this team has been missing all year, isn't it? I mean, you're looking at a team that can't get out of their own end, period. They can't. Um, and they can't get into the offensive end. Once they get there, they don't do anything because it's taken them 40 seconds to get out of their own end. 
Um, so there's no sustained pressure. We've seen it all year. Um, I think Cassie Campbell mentioned before the game that the Jets have scored like something like 52% of their goals on turnovers and rushes. I don't know how that compares to the rest of the league, but that's the only way they score. And that's what we've been seeing all year. And that's more proof of it. They don't sustain pressure. And now I guess we can move into it. You, you're missing three forwards potentially. Yeah. It which, really, oh. really to me, it's not about the sustained pressure as much as I thought their zone entry and exits were so bad in this game. They're the worst I have, I have ever seen them play with. And there was no place that was more evident than on the power play. Go, like They went 0 for 7 on the power play, um, and they barely had any shots. And they gave up a shorthanded attempt. That's where the game was lost, is on the Jets' power play. And it was simply because they couldn't get into the zone. And that's not a Shifley thing. That is, no. they, were, look, they were just lost. I really think Pionk looked really terrible out there trying to quarterback the power play from the uh -huh. back end. He couldn't drive the zone entry at all. Um, and I was really surprised. And maybe I shouldn't be that Maurice didn't go to like the power play too. get like Perot cop and Lowry out there. And like, whoever that is like, I am not a fan of the dump and chase mentality on the, on the power play, but they needed something completely different because that power play one group just couldn't get it in the zone to begin with, let alone keep it there. Um, and I, I think if you don't generate any shots, I think I looked at the stats uh, from about the halfway point in the first period, they're outshot 29 to six the rest of the way. Yeah. And like, yeah. so, and you can't not get shots on seven power plays. Uh, and that's the difference in the game. Like, I mean, I, we could talk about Shifley being gone, but like zero power play shots is not on Shifley being gone. Like he doesn't oh, all of a sudden come, come in and do right. 15 shots on the power play. Yeah, they're not winning that game with or without him. Um, what I can't believe is that Ehlers didn't slide into Shifley's spot on PP1. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me uh, when he can do all the things that Shifley does and how after your first two power plays and not being able to get the puck in, whether you start the power play unit, the number two unit, like you said, or get Ehlers on the first unit, even after Shifley's out, is terrible coaching. He's your only player that can enter the zone, and you're sitting him on the bench until the sixth power play when he finally got about a minute of power play time. This is the frustration as Jets fans, not adapting the stubbornness. You've got an elite zone entry guy, and your number one problem is is entering a zone, and you don't play him. It's it's that's as frustrating as you can get. Yeah, and we we can point to um, them giving up two power play goals as well, and then the penalty kill wasn't great. But I actually. I don't fault the penalty kill as much. I mean, we had a good penalty kill from about like mid February till when game stopped. But I think part of the thing is like those power plays were so crushing on offense that you turn around and you you're obviously going to go on the kill at some point and they just couldn't handle it. Um, I do think uh, should we talk about some bright spots? Because there's very few. But I think we should acknowledge there was a couple good things that happened. I thought uh, I thought Hellebuck looked like Hellebuck. He played about as well as you can expect. They gave a shorthand of breakaway and two power play goals. That's all he gave up. Like, And, you know, he had a 915 save percentage uh, when he was under siege most of the game. I thought he played well. What do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, he played well. Uh, <laughs> some lunatic on Twitter this morning tried to 
suggests that he was the reason they lost. And my response is, was he supposed to shoot the puck and score last night as well as save everything? They got outshot two to one. I mean, he was there. He's in midseason form. Uh, Andrew Kopp seemed to play a, a pretty decent game. Uh, Lowry seemed to play pretty good. Um, but there there wasn't a lot of bright spots. And, and you know, not to be a downer, uh, but I don't see how that how that changes by, like you said, 20, 24 hours from now. Yeah, I, I would say I agree on Lowry and Kopp. Um, I, I would say the other bright spot is the way they lost this game was all on special teams. So it can mm-hmm. change. Um, like they didn't get blown out because uh, they were getting, I mean, they got dominated. Let's uh, don't get me wrong. They got absolutely dominated. It was one of the worst playoff performances I've ever seen this team put forward, but they didn't exactly get blown out by a team that made me think they were world beaters. Calgary didn't look good either. Uh, they just looked good in comparison to how bad Winnipeg looked. So I, I think there's still some potential that the Jets get a game here if some bounces go their way and they change the nature of the power play. I think it's pretty unlikely. But, um, you know, I, I'm not, like, shaking my boots based on how Calgary played either. No, I think they're pretty, you know, evenly matched teams. Like, that's for sure. And um, probably any night the Jets can win, I think Hellebuck, overmatches both of their goalies significantly enough that like you said if you switch the the special team matchup around um then yeah we can win a game or two that being said i don't know um why that would change sadly um which is you know which is this the sad part i i went into this hoping to have a more positive attitude and uh predicted that they shouldn't have any trouble with the flames and you know, you're 30 minutes into a game and they're looking like the ninth place team, not the team that should be first or second in the conference. Uh, they look like a team that should be at home right now, um, based on what we saw. So uh, I will say I'm excited to see Harkins get a lot more minutes. If you have three forwards out, Harkins has got to play a bigger role somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But beyond that, who do you put in? I mean, you lose three forwards. Okay, Harkins is in. Well, are you bringing up Latestu? Are we well, talking about Gustafson? Gustafson? Uh, <laughs> oh, whatever. I can't even say his name. It probably won't matter because even if he's in, he's probably not going to see the ice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's who you know they're going to bring in a veteran. Um, and then they'll. You wonder are they going to split up Lowry and Cop, which you almost think they have to now. Um, does Perot get a bigger role after from? I kind of checked out near the end of the game, but apparently he had a, a god-awful game. Um, so does he get a promotion when he's probably not in anybody's good books right now? Um, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think we could guarantee that Wheeler will move to center. And you're going to look yeah. at a lot, a lot more Eakins, uh, or pardon me, Eakin. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I actually was planning on, before Liney got hurt, coming in and kind of being hard on him. I thought he was pretty terrible um, compared to who we saw. He just looks out of shape, to be honest. Um, he has, like, very little acceleration to his game. Um, but, you know, he may not play the rest of the series, so I can't say that much more. I have no idea what you do. I think Wheeler's got to go to center. I think Lowry's one of your other centers. Cop is your third center. And... I, I guess you keep Shore as the fourth center, 
and then you just move people around. I like I think my number one fear is Maurice is going to shorten his bench, which is the exact opposite thing he needs to do right now, because uh, it's not clear that Wheeler and Connor can d- drive play um, without Shifley. So it uh, it seems like a mistake to shorten the bench. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're gonna, I mean, the, you're going to end up with Wheeler, Ehlers, and Connor on the top line, and then you got, you don't really have anybody else that can score. That's right. Unless uh, unless we get a grind it goal from Cop and Lowry somehow, um, I think that's right. Uh, I think I, I think what I'm looking for is um, a 960 970 performance from Hellebuck. <laughs> well, yeah, like that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's what we got. I mean, and, uh, that's all right if we're going to get a W or two. I mean, I'm okay with, you know, I'm not cheering against them, and I don't mind if they get one. Um, I think the, the, the sad realization becomes, even if something happened, they got past Calgary. If you don't have Shifley and Line, you know, you're not being beaten Colorado. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they, like... I mean, they're not like, good at the next round. Yeah, the next round is going to be, um, even if they somehow miraculously get past Calgary who knows who we're coming up against I will say I thought DeMello looked fine um and him with Morrissey looked okay um it got real dicey as he went down that de- uh, defensive depth which is the place I was first and foremost concerned entering the series but that Kulikov Pionk combo is is not working for me <laughs> I, I have no other way to put it um they I think they're going to just get the body taken on them even harder in game two I don't even know if they, if you need like they can't literally can't get the puck out of their their own end. There was that shift in that Vancouver game. They had about five turnovers. The puck was in their end for about a minute and a half, and it just seemed like it carried over to uh, last night's game, you know. And those are the basics. Those are the fundamentals, right? And you have to execute those simple things. And that's like kind of what we're touching on in the beginning. Other than the special teams, that's what you have to be able to do, and they're not doing it. And um, especially now that you're lost, you know, some talent, you have to play fundamental hockey, and I don't know if they have it in them. Yeah, I think they need to. I know they're going to be pressed to dress more forwards, but I, I wish they dressed a seventh defenseman last night. Really, really wish they did. Uh, I don't know if they have any better options. I mean, it would be nice to see Niku out there as somebody that might be able to... I mean, we just don't know with him. Um, He might be, just because of his skating ability, better to get the puck out. Um, Well, it's the thing, though, Kishore. We know that. But this has been the battle, right? This has been the battle with the coaching and the defensive system. Is that's the guy you need playing defense. And they don't believe that. That's why they continue to bring in the Batetos and the uh, Spizas and these guys, because they don't believe that that's positive defense. They believe positive defense is lugging around in your own end and putting the body on somebody. And this is where the disconnect of the coaching continues to come in is that's not hockey anymore. Hockey's getting the puck out of your own end. Whether you're 170 pounds like Niku or 260 pounds like Bufflin, or 150 pounds like Enstrom, get the puck out of your own end, and they can't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's that's the struggle. That's the main struggle of this team, in my opinion, is that they're hemmed in their own end constantly. Now, you're not going to hear me say many nice things about Maurice ever, but the one thing I actually think he might be getting right is him doubling down on Kachuk being a dirty player to try <laughs> to rally the team because he is, he's got nothing else. 
Like that's well, what he I, has I to like go that with. Shit about him, and I don't, I don't question any reason why people like him. I just think it's smoke and mirrors, and he and he lies a lot. But I get why the public likes him. I get why supposedly his players like him. Uh, he stands up for his team. Um, he's quote unquote funny. I get all that stuff. Um, but that's not Windsor, not what Windsor hockey games, right? Not uh, in the long like, run. Yeah. Um, I like, I agree. I like that with a sort of the tone he had about the Kachuk thing. And I think he's sort of where we started. He's mostly right. You know? Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, he's too, too far about it being intentional because it, it, you just sure. can't do that intentionally. But I think what he's doing is like, he's got his team that's just broken apart right now. Uh, he's got to try something, and at least this might give them some rallying energy in the room. Who knows? Uh, I think I, I think this is way lower than changing some of the the structure and coaching around the power play uh, entries and the zone exits. Like that's got to be number one. But you know, after that, I, I this is the only uh, shining spot. Sure. All that being said, all this I being said, I just would not be surprised if Hellebuck comes out, does a 950, and they somehow squeeze out a game tomorrow. Uh, nothing more typical, right, of this team? Yeah, yeah nothing more typical. Um, and this is none of these playoffs are, are going to make much sense, so I just wouldn't be surprised by it. Um, but certainly, th- this team, you can't imagine going far. I mean, I I think the more most likely scenario is they're out in three or four. Um, in this series, but you know, take it game by game. Something crazy could happen five minutes in on the Calgary side, and certainly their goaltending looks terrible. I, I, like Calgary's goaltending is just awful, so you just never know what could happen there. Yeah, I don't. Again, I I love to see it. It would be fun. Um, just you know, for the for the story at this point. So. Uh, well, that's about it, Jets fans. That's about all the optimism that Mac and I could conjure <laughs> uh, for this. Uh, it's devastating. I, I'll just end by saying, um, I, you know, that injury could go a million ways. And I'm just hoping for the best for Shifley because he has a lot of years ahead of him. I hope it's not something like an Achilles that could keep him out for, you know, a year and a half or longer. Uh, and I hope it's something that he's able to fully recover from because um, uh, that dude has a lot of hockey in front of him. Yeah, I uh, my my brother asked me this morning what I had heard, and I reminded him that Eric Carlson was over over two years with his right. Like by the yeah. time he got back to, and he's not back to the player he was. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, and I probably I could be wrong about the exact same age when it happened. Pretty uh, close within a year. Yeah. yeah. So I hate to see it. I don't think it's that that severe. The first reaction I had, sorry to go on here, but the first reaction I had was if it was a cut, he would have scrambled off the the ice faster, right? So I was a little more content that it was either a break or a a, a smaller cut than nothing super severe because anytime those cuts happen, those guys get off the ice quick, quick. So that yeah. was my one kind of saving grace in, in my head anyway. Yeah, I, it's weird that I'm in a position where I'm hoping that his leg got broken of all the results, because I think that's the one that the recovery fork uh, is, is best for a hockey player. So um, that's what Shifley, um, I assume we're not going to hear anything about his injury for, for a week or two um, just because of how the NHL is structured right now, but uh, best to him, uh, best to the fans out there because that was um, a rough, rough night and uh, I hope for a better tomorrow. That's all I got for the fans. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 
I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>